to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Löwenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Legion podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Lovenbrand. I'm the managing director of Bright Vision, as well as host of this podcast. And today we will talk about marketing technology and the topic of the new rules of marketing technology with no less than Scott Brinker, who's the VP of Platform Ecosystems at HubSpot, But not only that, he's also a well-known keynote speaker on this topic. He's author of several books, not to forget uh, Hacking Marketing, which is a great one, and also run the famous chief marketing technologist blog, chiefmartech.com, with over 50,000 readers, where he discusses and analyzes topics on the intersection of marketing technology and management. And this is a hugely important and interesting topic for all B2B marketeers. So with that short introduction, welcome to today's podcast, Scott. Thank you for having me. Delighted to be here with you. Yeah, it's so great. And uh, as we just said here in the pre-chat, I had the opportunity to actually see you already in 2015 in a conference in Stockholm and your technology maps over the MarTech landscape was absolutely mind-blowing and how fast that space had expanded back 2015 already. And now we're five, six years down the road from there and doesn't seem to slow down, does it? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really incredible. Like if you had asked me, you know, and don't get me wrong, I'm a big advocate for, you know, all the innovation happening in MarTech. But if you had asked me like five or six years ago, like, okay, well, is this going to get any bigger? I'd be like, oh, I don't know. You know, like 3,000, 4,000 solutions. That's an awful lot of solutions. And so, yeah, when we did the uh, map uh, last year and we, came up with 8,000. And again, totally incomplete because the moment we publish these maps, we hear from the people who we somehow failed to discover and include on the map. So I don't know. We, uh, if, if I was going to take an estimate today, I'm sure the number would be over 10,000. Yeah. And that's so interesting. Uh, you know, you started with those landscapes maps where you map out every player in the marketing technology space in 2010, 11, something around there. Yeah. How, how come that you came up with this idea and started developing the whole chief Martech yeah, blog and, and, you know, starting producing content in this space and so forth? Yeah. So the way I came at that was, uh, um, you know, early in the 2000s, uh, I was running the technology team for a web development agency. Uh, and so what would uh, what was a very common pattern is my agency would get hired by the marketing department of a large company. Uh, and then, you know, once the marketing team hired us, it would be my job as the head of, you know, the technology for the agency to go and meet with the company's IT department to figure out like, okay, well, how are we actually going to, you know, interface this to your systems and build it and manage it? Because at the time, the IT departments and the marketing departments just didn't really talk. You know, and it's not so much that it was a um, 
hostile relationship. It was just, they were just living in totally separate worlds. They just didn't even understand each other. They spoke different languages. But it was clear as we did, you know, engagement after engagement like that, right, that the future was very clearly these two worlds colliding. And so I got really excited about this emerging set of professionals who we called marketing technologists that kind of had one foot in each world and were able to help bridge them. And so I created the blog originally around this community of marketing technologists, which I think at the time I created the blog was maybe like 50 people. So uh, very, very niche topic at the time. Um, but yeah, I remember assembling that first graphic of all these different technology tools for marketing because I was going to give a presentation to some CMOs. And what I was trying to show them was just how pervasive these technologies were becoming in their department that, you know, all the things that they were doing in the digital space, all the outcomes they were trying to achieve, they were all being powered by this incredible variety of, you know, software applications and software platforms, kind of to make the argument like, hey, you might want to consider like getting some marketing technologist talent in your department, because this is now a dependency that you have, yeah, you better be able to take, uh, take the reins of it. Yeah, and that's, that's such an interesting trend. And uh, to some uh, CMOs and marketing managers, I suppose it's, it's a little bit uh, threatening or, you know, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's a complex trend, of course, where it's a lot of technology uh, gets into the marketing space and so forth. So, and you have produced a ton of content in this space and, and uh, I, I really like uh, the ideas you have, which if I just, try to sum it up, I would um, probably say that your main big idea is that marketing is, is closing in on getting more and more similar to software and IT run processes and development that you, you start to see it as an iterative process rather than campaigns. You're talking about continuous improvements, just as we do in software development. Uh, you talk about marketing ops and we have the term RevOps, which is, have been popularized last six months, which is very similar to the DevOps in IT and so forth. So is that your main idea, would you say, that you see this trend coming? Yeah, wow. Actually, I think you did a great job of uh, summing that up, probably better than, more eloquently than I would have. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I started with that concept of the marketing technologist. Because, yeah, having these professionals who could have one foot in each world was one way to start to bridge that convergence that was happening between them. But, yeah, fast forward here to 2021. And, yeah, these worlds are fully converged. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, you think about all the ways, uh, you know, we're delivering customer experiences and, you know, customer touch points. It's all happening through software mediated channels. It's, you know, websites, it's mobile apps, it's, you know, messenger interfaces. It's, uh, you know, even if we have like a call center, you know, something very analog, you know, the call center representatives are like leveraging all this technology and in their CRMs to be able to like best serve the customer. It's, um, it, it's a fascinating convergence. And to the point you opened up with, you know, I mean, I, I really do understand that for a lot of marketers, this is this is a very challenging shift in the yeah. profession and in the industry because, 
I mean, first of all, yeah, that's not what most people entered marketing, you know, sort of <laughs> with the background or, you know, uh, you know, the ambition of saying, oh, yes, I want to become a master of technology, um, you know, and so all this dependency on technology kind of, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, on one hand, it's great. It's given people a lot of new capabilities. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, yeah, this is a very, it's still a very foreign discipline, you know, yeah. to a lot of people whose primary professional investment has been understanding like the dynamics of, you know, uh, you know, markets and marketing and, you know, customer identification, all the things like the four P's of marketing, you know, that's still as relevant today as it ever was, you know, somebody still needs to understand this and be able to orchestrate a strategy and an execution for it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of just like the technology layer has almost been additive <laughs> to the repertoire that, you know, a modern marketer needs to feel proficient with. Mm. Um, but the only thing I can say is if, if you're feeling stressed by that, I assure you, you're not alone. Like <laughs> everybody feels this. I mean, even I feel it, yeah. you know, uh, there, there, there's so much change that's happening so quickly uh, that, yeah, while it's very exciting in some ways, it's also very daunting because no one, no one, can keep up with all of this. And yeah. I think at some level, if you recognize that and sort of take a deep breath and say, okay, it's not about staying on top of all of this. Mm -hmm. It's really just starting to recognize, hey, the new normal is a state of continuous change and evolution. Yeah. And we just need to get more comfortable with being able to continually learn and adapt, you know, as the environment that's relevant to our particular business continues mm -hmm. to evolve. Yeah. Uh, that's a great tip. And I will actually come to that. And, you know, if we have a lot of B2B marketing executives listening to this podcast, and if you're one of those that's sitting here, yeah, man, this is coming. <laughs> I need to stay on top of this. Beside reading your blog every week or whenever you post, <laughs> what, what should you look out for as a CMO or marketing exec uh, today in a, in a B2B company, you know, in order to stay afloat and, and keep your, your pace at the same level as your competitors, at least. Yeah, you know, I really do feel like as the scope of marketing, uh, you know, has expanded so much over this past decade. Um, yeah, it's, it's not so much about any one leader in marketing having all of it. Uh, it's more about getting really good at creating these teams that are able to collectively manage this. So if I'm a CMO, yeah, it's not that necessarily I have to become an expert, you know, in these marketing technologies. It's that I definitely want, you know, like a right-hand person who's going to be like my head of marketing operations, my head of marketing technology, um, who can really help take responsibility for that set of capabilities. And then working with that person, you know, what I want to do is be constantly like, mapping the capabilities that the technology enables back to like the core marketing strategy. Like, okay, who are we trying to reach? What's important to them? How do they want to engage with us? You know, what's works, what's relevant, you know, and really just make sure that, I mean, the, as fascinating as all these technologies are on their own, you know, they are still at the end of the day, you know, just tools in the toolbox, you know, and where the real value remains is, you know, for the CMO to be sort of fitting that back into the overarching go-to-market strategy. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, 
Uh, it's important to to realize that, and I think that's comforting to to hear that. You don't need to know it all yourself. You just need to build a great team, maybe with those new competences, as you point out so well there. So we also see some forces. I think you you have written very well in in a white paper together with VPP and and also other articles about <clears throat> agile marketing and so on. What what are the big drivers you see? that will impact how we think about and set up marketing and marketing processes the coming years from your standpoint? Yeah, well, uh, you know, in the setup for, uh, you know, this episode, you, you talked about the new rules of, uh, you know, marketing uh, technology and operations in particular. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I came up with a framework a couple of years ago that I, I, I keep coming back to uh, that really is about five rules, which, yeah, I mean, rules so much is like, okay, these are five things you want to get really good in thinking about. Um, so the first is this idea of centralize everything you can, right? You know, there's so many disparate tech, you know, tech mediated digital touch points happening here in our businesses. We need to be able to have a strategy to centralize the data that's flowing in and out of this. You know, we need the ability to put some sort of guardrails around, you know, this, you know, incredible creative engine that's happening out there, but we need to make sure it aligns with our brand and our strategy. So you wanna centralize everything you can. Second thing you wanna do is you wanna get really good at automating everything you can because the scope of activities in marketing has just exploded, right? It's, it's, it's just not economically feasible. It's not practical to, you know, be manually, you know, pulling all these levers and turning all these dials, you know, you need to get really smart at being able to apply automation technology, you know, um, you know, whether it's for internal workflows or certain, you know, high level uh, customer interactions, get good at applying automation for the efficiency and scale. But then we get to the next two rules. <laughs> and the next rule is like, decentralize everything you can. And if you scratch your head and you're like, wait a second, you were just telling me to centralize everything you know, possible. Now I should decentralize what gives? Well, it's not actually that you should uh, throw out the things that need to be centralized. It's that what we mean by decentralization is you need to be able to empower more people on the edge of the organization to be able to take more action and self-service more of their own needs. You know, like for instance, just one example, it's like, yes, it's great to have a centralized platform for your business intelligence and data analytics. But if any time a marketer wants an answer to a question, they have to file a ticket and wait for some analyst, you know, to eventually get to it, right? It just, it becomes this huge bottleneck. Part of the reason you want to have that really good centralized business intelligence platform is you want to also be able to put a layer on it that allows more of the marketers on the front lines to be able to self-service a lot of their own analytical questions. You know, and it's not that you won't have experts because you know, you'll still have cases where you know, there's deeper analyses that need to be done that really do require someone who's an expert in that field. Hmm. But for a bunch of these questions that we have, right, they don't really require an expert for it. And so if you can like empower people on the edge of the organization to self-service more of their needs, and this is a lot of what the whole no-code movement that we hear about, you know, is really about. It's like helping non-experts be able to do more things on their own. So mm -hmm. decentralize everything you can. The fourth rule is humanize everything you can, which is now again, okay, like, wait, you said automate everything and now humanize. 
but again, it's not, it's not that these things are as incompatible as they sound. It's like you want to automate the things that can be automated. But part of why you're doing that is because you want to free up human time to really be able to intervene in the uh, interactions, whether it's collaborations inside our organization or you know, helping customers or working with partners, like really make sure that the human element you know, remains front and center. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we've got some wonderful automation and algorithms and AI fun stuff that lets us do all sorts of cool things, but they don't yet have the intelligence or the empathy around, okay, how do we make this human, both for our employees and for our customers? And that's really a mission that, you know, the marketing leader needs to take to heart. And then the fifth rule, just, you know, almost to, to throw one more thing on the pile, you're like, okay, well, I got to centralize and decentralize. I've got to automate and humanize. Um, you know, the last rule is like embrace continuous change mm -hmm. because however you define what you're doing in those other four rules this year, you can be pretty much guaranteed that next year and the year after that and the year after that, there's going to be new changes in the market. There's going to be new changes in technology. You're going to need to enter a phase where you're just continually adapting and evolving, uh, you know, you, the, the, the operating system of your marketing department. So whew, I, that, that, that was a bit of a run through there. Yeah. Thanks for <laughs> bearing with me on it. Yeah, thanks. And that's so interesting. Five really important rules uh, who are, uh, you know, important to keep in mind and also try to adapt, even though, uh, might be counterintuitive, as you say, when you know centralized and decentralized. But I think it makes a ton of sense to to, uh, to divide it into those buckets and and try to see it as rules and and work it. And you have laid that out pretty well in a book. Is it hacking marketing? Uh, where you definitely puts it into framework. If somebody wants to deep dive into those five rules and and. Uh, which are so great uh, for all marketeers. Do you work as a sales, marketing or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing, and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. Another thing I was thinking about, you know, going forward in a complex world with automation, and you've also elaborated a little bit about the agency of the future. So maybe it's interesting just to hear your take on how do you see the intersection between marketing departments and external agencies going forward in the coming years? What do you see in trends and yeah, where do you draw the lines and, and how, how should we think about this, these things? Yeah, that's, uh, it, it, that's, that's a big question actually. Um... So I, I feel like two things are true. Like, all right, so I, I, today I'm apparently going to be all about contradictions. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I feel the situation for agencies is in many ways dealing with two contradictions. One contradiction is, well, one piece of the contradiction is that the old model in which most of the agency universe, you know, managed itself, you know, was through advertising, uh, you know, and then media placements and commissions on media placements. 
Um, and for all practical purposes, that's that, that world is decimated. It's not that we don't do advertising or we don't do media placements, but the economics of how that works now is, um, yeah, it just can't sustain the sort of creative power, you know, that agencies basically use that economic model to be able to justify all sorts of incredible work. Mm. Um, so on one hand, that's been a huge problem for the agency ecosystem overall. The good news on the other side of this is you talk to marketers, right? They are in more need of help today than ever in the entire history of marketing. There are so many things that are going on. You know, part of it's just even understanding what's possible. But even when you understand what's possible, it's like, okay, well, you know, I mean, there's all these aspects of what we need to do, you know, whether it's building up certain capabilities or executing certain projects. The way we think now, you know, it's, it's much larger than an advertising campaign. It's, you know, all these things around like, you know, really experience campaigns that might have advertising elements to them, you know, but they impact like the, you know, the website, the mobile apps, the way we're engaging people on social channels, you know, it's, it's huge. So there's never been more opportunity but because it's that opportunity is happening at a time too when the the economic models of you know how do agencies charge for this how do they build uh you know equity uh you know in their businesses it's still being sorted out you know some agencies you know are figuring this out beautifully uh, and doing well um i think others are on the path but still trying to struggle with you know that 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 shift from one phase to another so, yeah, I, I, I remain very bullish on the agency ecosystem as a whole, but I, I, I think it is a very challenging time for agencies to like map out and define, uh, you know, their particular business. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And what, do you have any thoughts about, you know, uh, where you see spaces where agencies might explore where we haven't seen typical agency work before uh, versus where we see them vanish where we traditionally have had a lot of business in agencies do you see any trends in these areas if you since you have a lot of connections in the ecosystem of hubspot and so forth yeah well uh, i mean we can talk about some of the services that are relatively new that have become so valuable um you know so for instance like the uh the data analysis side you know that we were talking about here like you know there is now so much data mm. that is available around marketing campaigns and marketing programs but still for a lot of businesses they just don't have the experience or the internal resources to even really be able to dig into that and to like craft new campaigns and new programs in a way that are really designed not only to leverage that data, but then to collect new data that feeds into making those models, you know, better over time. So that whole field uh, has so much opportunity. Um, certainly, uh, you know, uh, you know the, the building of web experiences and mobile apps, you know, a lot of agencies have sort of moved into that already, um, you know, but that's still a huge area. I mean, like the sophistication of the modern website, you know, just continues, uh, the bar continues to raise. Um, but, you know, I also see companies like, 
you know, work that we used to consider in the domain of system integrators, you know, like, oh, okay, how do I get, you know, these different components in my stack, you know, to work together? Is there some custom software that I want to layer on top of that that's unique to my business? You know, these were things that traditionally marketing agencies, it, it, it was just not a part of their world at all. Mm. But today, yeah, I mean, that's a huge part. In fact, actually, it's interesting that you see this competition now, particularly at the highest levels of an organization between traditional marketing agencies, management consultancies, you know, like the McKinsey's and whatnot of the world. Uh, and then, you know, the system integrators, you know, uh, you know, folks like, um, you know, the Accentures or, you know, whatnot. Uh, these three I mean, you know, right, you never would have thought of these three, you know, kinds of companies like competing like, you know, 10 or 20 years ago. I was like, yeah, those are completely different businesses. They have nothing to do with each other. Mm -hmm. Today, yeah, they're all sort of, you know, dancing around like, how do we help companies, you know, really thrive uh, in this new digital environment? So those are all opportunities. I, 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 to be honest, I think out of the group. I'm kind of betting on the marketing agencies because I think what they have uniquely relative to those competitors is that sort of just deep history, uh, you know, and practice of understanding the customer. I mean, mm. management consulting, no offense to them. It's a, it's a very internal thing. Mm. Uh, systems integrators, no mm. offense to them, but also again, a very internal, you know, mm. focused, you know, culture. Mm. Marketing agencies were always the ones who are like, yeah, let's let's understand the customer, you know. And so I think uh, that is a very powerful culture to wield uh, in competing in this space. Yeah, so interesting to hear. Thanks so much for that uh, insight you're offering there. That's nuggets. So uh, that's awesome to hear. And also, in. In connection to that, since you're the VP of Ecosystems on HubSpot, which uh, I suppose encompasses all the third-party plugins in the platform and so forth and all the relationships. And I mean, man, you're doing a good, good job. That platform have pretty much exploded with third-party integrations over the last uh, year or two. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, 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 I can't take uh, sole credit for that. Uh, it's really, quite frankly, our product team, you know, has done a really great job of like opening up more APIs and more extensibility. Um, and that's really like the first step. Like if you want to have a platform, first step is open it up uh, to let people build exciting things. Um, yeah, I think so, that's yeah, so I'm interesting. I'm very excited about this evolution. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's it's a smart move for HubSpot, and uh, of course we should mention here that Bright Vision is a HubSpot partner, so forth. So so uh, we have been working with HubSpot since 2016. But when we started working with you and consulting around the platform, I suppose there were maybe 20, 30 integrations done or so at that time. So now I don't know where you're up to. But what trends do you see? Do you have any? For marketing automation users today looking to optimize, you know, if we take this marketing tech trend to a bit more practical terms for, for a mid-sized B2B company who's using HubSpot, what do you have any insights on integrations or, or things they should look out for or, you know, low-hanging fruits, basically? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I think there's a couple ways to look at that. So one of the things that uh, has happened with the HubSpot platform 
uh, is it's definitely expanded its footprint, you know, beyond its origin in marketing and marketing automation, you know, to now has a very successful sales hub project, uh, product, um, a service hub, uh, you know, last year we launched officially our CMS hub, which now, you know, collectively, because all these things were built on a common platform, it's not, I don't want to throw any stones, but, you know, other players in the, you know, MarTech space, many of them build up these, you know, large clouds by like acquiring very different pieces of technology and sort of sticking them together, mm. which ha has certain advantages, like you, you can move quickly, but the disadvantage is, right, like at the end of the day, you still have very different tech stacks that these things come from, and that doesn't, that doesn't change as easily as we'd like to say it does in a PowerPoint. Uh, versus HubSpot took a much longer road of saying, all right, listen, we're going to build out these capabilities, but we are building them ourselves. We're building them on a common platform. And the disadvantage of that was it just took us a lot longer. I mean, we, you know, you could argue it's been like, yeah, a seven year journey, you know, trying to like, you know, add things beyond that core marketing product. But the upside of that is now that it's actually out here, you know, all these things are connected, which is it's, it's good for customers because now, you know, like, you know, activities happening in your, you know, marketing, uh, you know, movements are like directly visible and automatically connected into what your sales team's doing, your service team and so on. But it's also great for partners who are integrating because with one integration, like whichever product you choose to integrate, like, oh yeah, we want to offer these features, you know, to marketing users whatever you're integrating there also like then flows through to be accessible and visible, uh, you know, to people on the sales side or the service side. Um, and so I'm particularly excited about the CMS hub piece of this. I mean, HubSpot is, you know, still relatively early in the market, you know, as a CMS player. Um, but one of the things that I'm very excited about is HubSpot's advantage there is the CMS is a part of the same platform where all of the CRM capabilities are based. And so now you start to think about these cool integrations, you know, that on the back end, you know, for the, uh, you know, user, you know, it's like, okay, this is all my portal. It's a part of my CRM. I manage this data in a consistent way, but then it can also flow through to experiences, you know, interactive experiences that are powered for your customer's customer, you know, on, uh, you know, the website as well. So, um, yeah, I, I would say out of the various things that are happening in the ecosystem right now, that sort of CRM CMS combination is the one that I'm personally most excited because mm -hmm. I think it opens up a lot of opportunities to innovate. Yeah. So interesting, yeah. And there's a lot of things going on there all the time. So, so much looking forward to see uh, what's coming next year. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, interesting things. So mentioning services from agencies, is, I think one is just, you know, holding your clients, HubSpot clients in the hand and, and just recommending good integrations and low hanging fruits they should start using because it's opening up new things all the time in the ecosystem so you say so so definitely somebody to to you know keep a keep a lookout for for clients that's that's a competence in itself these days <laughs> yes i i fully agree you know and, it, and it's such a great you know role to play i mean again because 
one of the benefits agencies always have had, and it's true now as it's as true now as it ever was, mm -hmm. is because agencies work with so many different clients in a relatively you know finite period of time. Mm -hmm they're able to see these patterns, you know, and these like, you know, the, these learnings of what works with one client, you know, and then how those sort of patterns might apply to other clients that when you're the in-house marketer, you know, it's, you just don't have that same sort of like visibility across the space because pretty much all day, every day, you're just focused on what's happening in your company. And I think that cross-pollination of, you know, best practices, uh, you know, and learnings of like, oh, well, this tool is really good for this use case. This tool is really good for this other one. That is so valuable. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. So that's interesting. And, and uh, it will be really interesting to, to uh, you know, track HubSpot's uh, development going forward and what new integrations and so forth will open up. So uh, awesome. And um, I know you're a busy guy, Scott, so I won't hold you anymore now. Uh, I know we have other meetings to attend and so forth. So it was so great to have a chance to talk with you, but we should also um, give everybody a chance to, who wants to read more about your blog and so forth. Could you please give them an um, address where they can find you and how to contact you if they have more questions around this topic or so on? Sure. So my blog is uh, chiefmartech.com uh, with the only thing about it being it's Chief Martech without the H at the end. Long story on that, save it for another time. Uh, <laughs> but I'm also that at Chief Martech without the H on Twitter. So feel free to you know ping me there. Happy to, happy to chat with you. Ah, uh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Scott. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I learned a lot. I'm sure everybody who listening have done the same. I wish you all the best on your role on HubSpot going forward. Thank you so much. It was great to be here with you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com. <laughs>